Hello and welcome to Cloud Innovators, the podcast helping to guide CIOs through their journey to the cloud and demystifying the process along the way. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the use of containers. In a world of DevOps and continuous development, containers are vital. Yet while they may well be the future of application development, security, developer skills and container management all need to be carefully considered if organisations are to make the best use of these emerging technologies. Chris Greenwood is IBM's container lead for its cloud advisory services team, which helps organisations accelerate the adoption of these technologies by deploying new systems as well as modernising legacy applications. A container is just a collection of fundamental Linux concepts that have been around for a number of years, uh, namely namespaces and C groups. What that does, it allows us to isolate processes, fundamentally, along with their networking and their file systems. Container technology is still being explored by many CIOs. It's something Alex Denley, Deputy Director of Innovation and Transformation at London South Bank University, is looking into. In terms of containers, at the moment, we have our enterprise architects uh, currently considering um, what applications are best placed in containers and why. And as you imagine, with multiple cloud providers, each one comes with various, very similarities, but also some differentiators between the um, various bodies that deliver this. In fact, it was only today I was having a conversation to say, OK, well, let's understand before we do move over to uh, our applications over and, and containerize them, what are some of the considerations that we need to make First thing, the cloud provider, be aware of the service level agreements. You put things over there, you need to make sure that the right service level agreement is in play. Make sure that if things go wrong, you've got the right service level agreement to bring them back online. Secondly, the security layer, based on what information is up there and why. Make sure that you have the relevant security precautions in play as well. Thirdly, uh, in terms of some of the migration tools that are there, make sure that the public cloud providers that you're working with in terms of containerization play nicely with some of the migration tool sets that are there as well. In terms of containerization, I think it's inevitable that we'll be moving our first applications over, hopefully within the next three to four months, which is really, really exciting for us. We've got the first workloads. We're currently in training. We've got a team mobilized to do so. So I think the answer in terms of containerization, we're on the journey. And Fatima Mahad, former Director of Technology and Operations at UCAS, has also doubled. At UCAS, there has been an exploration of adopting container technologies as part of the whole cloud infrastructure strategy. At the last point, our teams were investigating, for example, the Docker solution and looking at that and how that could become the future. You know, I I believe some of the benefits attached to adopting containers, for example, is that, you know, you can easily lift and shift an entire landscape and you can also easily move from one provider to the other, which would kind of negate some of the risks we were talking about earlier on in terms of vendor lock-in. So there are broader benefits. From my understanding, it also makes, you know, the life of the developer community really much more simplified and much more straightforward and kind of supports a lot of these new uh, processes, for example, around continuous integration and continuous deployment and the whole DevOps culture, essentially. Bola Otebi is the research director for the software development research stream at CCS Insight. 
She thinks containers are a key part of cloud-native development, but that organisations need to think carefully about how to deploy them. I think we've gone past a little bit the hype. There may be some hype still there. It's like everyone's trying to shoehorn containers into every type of application, and it's not necessary. I think it's going to be quite um, important that you put them where they work best, because you know containers are not easy. There's a lot to you know orchestrating, to managing them, to kind of really get into grips with them. In my days, when I was developing on Java, it was Corba. <laughs> They were not, that wasn't easy. But, you know, you get used to it and then, you know, you, you learn what its value is. And I think that's what the things that people are still in the learning zone of understanding the value of containers and where, where best they are suited. As a cutting-edge technology, CIOs are likely to have a lot of questions before embarking on containerized development. Here's Chris Greenwood again. Once organisations have a clearly defined cloud strategy, they generally look to do two things. So firstly is the organisational change associated with it. As I said before, organisations adopting container and containerized technologies are generally also looking at DevOps, moving their ops organisation more to an SRA, a site reliability engineer method. On the technology side, organisations come to ourselves looking to both guide their app transformation into containers as well as help them choose and help them build a stable platform to run those containerized platforms on. Ultimately, the most fantastically developed app in containers is only as strong as the platform it's built on top of. And as Bola mentioned, there's a lot of excitement around them. Some CIOs are still watching the market, but that's beginning to change. Maybe if you'd asked a year or so, 18 months ago, I think people were watching it. I think more and more people are testing the waters with containers. Yes, I would definitely say. I think there's still a good cohort watching it, but I think there's a bigger cohort that are now testing and trying. And whenever I go to conferences, and I was at KubeCon back in May, I did a panel, um, the breakfast meeting around containers, and it was packed. There was about 200 people there for the conference. That was, you know, breakfast, admittedly, pancakes. <laughs> Uh, but it was packed and people were very, very interested in what, you know, looking at containers. So I think more and more people are kind of testing the waters. And there are definite advantages to be had with containerized development. Generally, the advantages are easiest to quantify for organisations who are already moving in the direction of, a, of DevOps development production. Now, it's very easy to get caught up in the technology itself, whereas what we really need to look at is the business benefit. Now, the reason companies adopt DevOps is a faster release of new application features to production, uh, better quality code, quicker innovation, and ultimately containers enable that by making the adoption of a microservices architecture much easier than it would be otherwise. Alex Denley again. I think one of the biggest benefits from a CIO in terms of containerization is probably to be able to automate workflows to ensure that your applications are secure and mitigating vulnerabilities. And lastly, I think really important is probably speed and flexibility as well. Of course, no technology is perfect for every situation. So what are the disadvantages? The disadvantage of containers is that from a development perspective, it's a very different way of working. Adopting containers is a complex process. It requires the developers to think differently. It requires developers to start to understand a lot more of the infrastructure layer that they traditionally haven't been as aware of. It also requires the ops people to work very differently. They need to now understand a lot more of the, of the development side. They also need to get a lot more involved in the development side. Now, 
this really is where the term DevOps comes from, because suddenly you've got conjoined teams of developers and operations staff working together in, in somewhat harmony, which hasn't traditionally been the case. In terms of further disadvantages, while containers also allow you know, fantastic horizontal scalability, which is a great benefit, you can potentially have one application that can seamlessly scale from a very small number of users to a very large number of users. On the, on the negative side, there is a lot more thinking that needs to be d- done up front, which again is not quite as familiar for a lot of the current development organizations. The other big major disadvantage of containers is that storage of state is a lot more complex. So whereas traditionally with a VM or a traditional legacy bare metal system, you tend to have a state stored on a local hard disk, on a remote hard disk, etc. With containers, at the point that the container itself is terminated, that local storage disappears. Therefore, for any retention of state long term, that data needs to be stored somewhere where it can either be picked up by another container of the same application or in some kind of external backing service, such as an object store, for example. But when it comes to the positives, Bona thinks the biggest value to be had with containers is in regards to scaling out applications. I think that's where they really kind of add value. Also, especially when you're looking at, you know, the whole point of containers is they they, um, cut down on the dependencies and, you know, so all of that kind of thing. So fast moving, fast acting applications. So I think scale is one of those things, especially if you don't know how many people you're going to be servicing and you may suddenly have a massive surge. And Alex Denley considers automation of workflows to be a big boost to development. I think the biggest advantage of containerizing applications more so is being able to consolidate and secure its security blanket effectively over some of your, you know, your tier one softwares and applications as an example. I suppose the biggest advantage of having containers from a CI perspective is ensuring that your applications are consolidated and secure. And in event of failure, uh, they can still continue to run. Containers are perfect for cloud-native development, as Bola testifies. If you're going to write applications to really fully leverage cloud, and that's what I mean by cloud-native, then you are going to look at the cloud services, and containers underpin that, you know, along with other things like microservices, and et cetera, et cetera. So I think containers are definitely part of the story. Whether they're there for every kind of application and workload, well, no, I don't think so. But, you know, once again, I keep going back to horses for courses. Success stories for containerized development are already starting to emerge, as Chris Greenwood explains. So we're working with a British bank that previously was struggling to release a new app to its customers, both the phone-based app and the back-end for that app. And what they were finding is that they were struggling to keep pace with the market because the financial sector is moving very quickly these days. Um, If you look at organizations like Monzo and other fintech organizations, they build their entire platforms on, on containers. Now, this bank in particular, however, was looking at trying to get ahead in the market. What adopting a DevOps development practice, as well as the use of containers allowed them to do, is it suddenly allowed them to to move from releasing new features to the market every two, three or six months to releasing daily, weekly, even multiple times a day. The the organizations that do this really well potentially uh, release new features into production hundreds of times a day. What that means is that features released into production are no longer big monolithic changes that are very hard to roll forward and roll back. What it now means is that features are released are very small changes, where if the problem occurs, they can roll back very easily and very quickly. It's hard to talk about containers without mentioning DevOps. 
I think in the DevOps world, containers have a role, especially in terms of managing the transition from the development side right through to delivering out into the production. But it's, once again, it's horses for courses. You know, you can't just say everything is, you know, containers just for DevOps without working out what's the application that you're building. So is a best practice emerging in the world of containerization? It's important to remember, firstly, that, that containers are still very new. You know, Docker was only released publicly a few years ago. Kubernetes is still fundamentally a, a very new technology. It might benefit from very frequent releases, but ultimately it hasn't been around for very long at all. What we're seeing over the market in the last couple of years is that more and more organizations are running containers in the cloud on managed platforms. Organizations are also looking to releases of uh, Kubernetes, for example, uh, in ways that are already packaged in a way that they can derive much quicker benefit without putting in the overhead of combining components together. A couple of years ago, it was quite common for organizations looking to run containers in their own environment to start with Docker and Kubernetes then start adding in a whole bunch of additional components to produce that ecosystem they, they needed. What's happening is the container platforms are moving in a way that is actually more like the evolution of the Linux platform, where Kubernetes and Docker are, are almost the kernel, and then they're just packaging applications around that. Best practices kind of suggest that that is the same for everything with lots of data points. And at the moment, I don't think we have a lot of data points. There are best practices from the likes of Born on the Cloud guys who are using containers. You've got your Netflix, everyone talks about. You've got the AWSs, you've got the yeah, Googles, you've got your, yeah, Microsoft, you've got all of those. And you've got people like Just Eats, you know, you've got Not on the High Street. You've got lots and lots of organisations who are what I would call cloud native and they have got practices. But, you know, at the same time, I think it's still being worked on. They're not always public, some of these practices. I mean, I saw um, Just Eat about a year or so ago at a Dynamics conference, and it was very interesting to hear about how they measure, monitor, and how how they manage their release trains and their DevOps situation. And it, it was very interesting. But I think even their discussion was one of learning. For companies that do containerized development well, there's a real value in terms of business transformation. So I think in terms of business transformation and the value that containers can bring to that, ultimately, this is just a, a technology platform that's an enabler for a, a lot of organisational change that's occurring at the moment. If you look at companies that have done this well, Monzo is a fantastic example because they built their platform pretty much from the ground up using containers. If you look at Google, for organisations that do this well, it allows them to make very large scale changes to very large and complex platforms in a way that is safe, secure and doesn't result in compromise to the entire platform. Alex Farr, CIO of Strictly Education, can see the exciting possibilities for containerization, even though he isn't yet placed to take full advantage of it. It nicely brings together your operations side of the IT department and your development side. So moving to that DevOps model, um, working together on containerization is a great way to start. For us, it wasn't relevant at the time. We weren't developing new products. Therefore, although I saw the benefits of containerization. It wasn't right for us at that point. And I think that that's the key. It's understanding where the benefits are and actually deciding whether it's right for you at this point in time. In the future, we, we may absolutely move to containerization, that the world is becoming a place which needs software very, very quickly or wants software very, very quickly. 
people can consume it on a number of devices and a number of different ways and a number of different operating systems. And actually, if we can package them up and take away the concerns about, well, will it work on, on this device or this operating system, then it allows us to get products to market a lot quicker. As I said earlier, it just wasn't right for us at, at the time, but it's definitely something we'll revisit. As well as the pull factor of rapid product development, the future is likely to bring its share of push factors as well. With SAP and other solution providers moving towards containerized deployment, Chris Greenwood believes it is only a matter of time before CIOs no longer have the choice to opt out. The simple fact is that even for organisations who aren't looking to adopt containers immediately and aren't proactively doing it, they are going to be forced to do it in some way. Now, we're not talking about whole-scale transformation in containers, and people shouldn't be scared by this, but there is the point where more and more software vendors are starting to only release new applications in a containerized format, and that's only going to accelerate. So what advice would our experts give a CIO looking into container technology? Here's Bola Otebi. Dobby's Guide to Containers, read about them. Look at organisations who are using containers and see some of the things that they advise and some of the challenges they've had to overcome. There's a lot of use cases out on the internet. This is nothing's in isolation. There's a lot of publicity around various adoptions of various technologies. And then actually, if you're a large enough organisation with good vendor relationships, ask your vendors, especially those vendors who've got containers, take advantage of some of their learning materials. In fact, actually, that's one of the things I would say that's being very good about the vendor community. A lot of them are really driving to get that knowledge out there they're really you know sort of producing content and a lot of it is part of the contract service some of it is free you know leverage the relationships that you have because chances are these are the guys who are going to be implementing the solutions or at least you know you might be going to to kind of get what services they offer so get their support chris greenwood again if organizations are looking to adopt containers and they haven't done so the first thing is to start looking at the cloud strategy, whether that's organizations looking to stick with a private cloud on their own premise. This doesn't have to be public cloud. But this is all equally important for organizations who have already made some substantial move to either public or hybrid cloud. Um, the biggest risk here is investing dead money, investing money that they, that they later don't gain the business benefit and they end up abandoning or changing direction. So getting the strategy right in the first place is, is key. A strategy that was developed in 2015 is almost certainly going to need updating to include the path for adoption of containers. That's the very first step. The next step along there for organisations who have that path or have that kind of endpoint defined and they've worked out where they're going to take steps on that path was to work very closely with the development organisations to see what their demands are and also to look at the uh, at the platform. Yeah, there are many different routes you can take it with adopting container platforms, whether you take a, a more homespun approach um, that can be very complex or whether you look at a package of container components such as, such as OpenShift, for example. Open source is absolutely critical to the way we work. The biggest statement of confidence in open source is IBM's acquisition of Red Hat. And the last word goes to former UCAS Director of Technology and Operations, Fatima Mahad. Container technology is becoming an increasing part of the potential solutions that really continue to help organizations evolve and mature their IT offering. So I personally, you know, where whatever I go next to will look into that, depending on whether or not it's the right solution. I think the whole other concept around serverless computing as well is a big part of what's available out there. So, you know, it, it just becomes part of um, an evolution of what was already adopted. And I was reading somewhere, maybe it's been now 10 years 
or something since the early adoption of cloud. And in Newcastle's case, it's definitely coming up to that period. So you you need to keep looking to what's available next. And whether you choose to be an early adopter or leading edge or bleeding edge is, is up to your business need. Um, but I think containers and serverless computing are really here to stay. That's it for Cloud Innovators. Thanks for joining us, our CIOs and our experts on the journey to the cloud.